Not even Pat Robertson's death could keep 69-year-old Tom Izzo from joining the 700 Club. And over the University of Michigan? Delicious. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined as always by the guy who puts the scissor in scissor lift, Kevin Greck, and the guy who made Pat Robertson off gas, Alex Plum. <laughs> Gentlemen. Dear I, listeners, the reason that I Plum, had nothing to do with any of these intros. <laughs> the reason that Plum made that our intro is we were thinking of ways to bring up Pat Robertson's death and equating it to the 700th club for, for months. Cold open. Months we've been And Jonesy waiting. was like, you know, Pat Robertson's been dead for like six months, right? Is this is this a timely enough reference for our podcast? I was like, bro, you bring up scissor lift deaths every opportunity that you can, and that happened 15 years ago. <laughs> there is no editorial standard for how dated a reference we are willing to make. Not on this podcast. No, but you were like, oh, Maybe Pat Robertson's death is too long ago. Oh, six months. That's good. That's it really good. Seem like it, People like it when you lift back the veil. And you yeah. Like, yeah. No, oh, that's why they listen. Yeah, that's why they listen is mm-hmm. because we're really good at that <laughs> and not wasting their time. Why anyone. <laughs> yeah, it's more to the point. What a sad collection of people who decide to spend an hour plus with us. We thank you for it, though. We're very happy you're here. We, of course, want to thank you for listening. Ask if you could, please continue to share the pod with Spartans in your life. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And, of course, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SpartanersCorePod. Greg, what are we doing this week? Oh, I get to do it this week. Uh, Greenwell, hey. football always leads, even this week. Um, then we'll talk about other sports because sports is be winning at Michigan State University this week, at least. Mm. Um, then we'll go off Grand River, uh, where there's a new alliance. Remember the backpack? The Big Ten, the ACC, the PAC? That's out. Backpack obviously doesn't exist anymore, but now there's a Big Ten SEC alliance, so we'll talk about that. We'll preview games exactly. against Minnesota and Illinois. And then, as always, we'll take your Twitter questions. All right, let's head behind that green wall. And yes, uh, first, in advance of... Signing day, uh, the old signing day this Wednesday. So tomorrow, by the time you all are listening to this, uh, Mike Shun Beeler, three-star out of Illinois, has committed to Michigan State. Uh, he's listed as a defensive line, probably slates into the interior uh, at 6'4", 280. Um, and this is a better recruit by peer group than we've seen in a minute, right? Mm-hmm. Greg is talking while on mute. That is a oopsie doops. Well, it is good and a good and joyful thing. Yeah, that's only supposed to happen at work uh, during the first uh, meeting in the morning. But here we are. Uh, So, yeah. So uh, Mike Sean's a three star and he is um, number 25 player in Illinois, which makes him about the thousandth best player overall in the country. (laughs) 
But I'm <laughs> Palm's laughing, but that we're right that's about where he is. No, it's I not know. It's <laughs> that is, that is true. I know it's true. But the peer group. Uh, so he's got offers, and who knows if these are committable or not, but he's got offers from your Georgia Techs, your Indianas, your Nebraskas, <laughs> your, your Bowling Greens. <laughs> Come on, Bowling Green. Your Hoopals. Your, 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 your Hoopals. Your South Dakota states at Hoopals, your Wyomans, your Illinoises. Actually, no, he does not have an Illinois offer. Correct. Um, all of those were, cl- did, uh, were true, including Texas A&M, but Illinois, no offer. So he's in did Illinois. Did you mention Oregon? I mentioned Oregon. I mentioned Nebraska. You know who offered him at, at Oregon? Who? Coach Meat. Meat! Oh, so Meat's Meat. getting his guy here. I like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. Anyway. We have seen some peer groups this year on three-star trash recruits that left some some things to be desired. But this one is mm-hmm. pretty good and yeah. should be celebrated. And Plum, uh, how to is be it clear, you you're feel? still calling him a three-star trash recruit, Indeed. but this is one that we should celebrate. Okay. Well, you have to. I mean, look at what was uh, what was uh, what was uh, Walker? Uh, 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 oh, for God's sakes, Kenneth Kenneth Walker. The th- yeah, what was he? Yeah. Maybe even two-star two star trash crew. Yeah. There we go. Le'Veon I, Bell, same two-star trash Mike Shun Beeler. My, my, Mike Shun. Well, you don't care about this guy until after he hits the portal and comes back, right? That's when he becomes a true Spartan. Not until he has graduated with his master's degree from the university will I ever refer to him as anything but a three-star trash recruit. <laughs> so I got to be consistent. Uh, it's important. Uh, that does bring Michigan State's uh, class up to 22 total commits, uh, bringing us in at 42nd overall in the country. Uh, you know, and eleven sort of in the Big Ten, which is important because that's of 18 teams. Mm. Hmm. And it's fair to say that not all of the kids who commit this cycle are likely going to end at Michigan State University, but I think. Uh, you know, we know Jonathan Smith had a truncated timeline to work with and retained a lot of the higher end talent that was still committed to Michigan State. Uh, and then I think, you know, at minimum has done the job of putting bodies on this roster, which right. is something we saw we didn't have at points last year. I mean, they were traveling at one point with 45 scholarship kids. So. And you no know, coaches I'm, worthwhile. Um, so yeah, so I, like, I, I don't know. 42nd isn't particularly inspiring. It's obviously not where we think Michigan state should be in the long run. Sure. I, I'm having a hard time caring that much, particularly cause he flipped some kids that he wanted at Oregon state and Hey, he won with the kids he wanted at Oregon state. So and coach me wanted this guy at Oregon and they've got the number two class in the big 10. So there you go. Wait, I'm seeing them as number one in the big 10 right now. Ohio state has like 15, five stars. So I'm, I have my doubts that Oregon should be considered the number one class in the big 10. Oregon has 22, four stars. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's, I I would be surprised. Oregon has 20, Oregon has 27 commits. That's why they're higher. Okay. By composite ranking. You're right. Uh, your average ranking. There's a lot of, Uh, you, you know, the term girl math, Mm. there's also yeah not not problematic go on (laughs) go on it's elaborate there's there's recruiting math 
as well. Uh, and uh, it makes even less sense than girl math does. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. It's oh boy. okay because I put a very male coded thing as worse than the female coded thing. Ah. So I am a hero, really, if you think about it. Zero. Can you explain it to me like I'm a woman? Oh, Jesus. I can't. I'm, un- I'm unable to continue this. Okay. Moving along on the agenda. Today. I thought he'd take the bait. I thought he would take the bait. I really did. All right. Let's. Uh, we also had a big recruiting weekend, generally speaking. Uh, it was junior day at Michigan State. Had a ton of recruits in town. And it seemed... Well received. I, I, the facilities seem to at least at minimum be catching some eyes. Yeah. Mm. And mercifully, the weather here this weekend, plum, our just like dreariest January on record has finally given way to like actual sunshine and 40-ish degree temps, which is probably not impressive for these kids coming in from like Texas or whatever. But it could have been so much worse. Dude, it was miserable in this state for Mm -hmm. all of January, Mm -hmm. and we just got through it. Yep, yep, that's right. We will, we will, we'll take it. All right, let's head and chat some more good news. Michigan State notched two wins this past week, one over the University of Michigan and one over University of Maryland. Uh, I guess before we sort of dive into maybe individual play from each game. Were there any through lines that, that you guys took from, from both games? My first through line is this is a part of the schedule, right? There's been a lot of wailing and gnashing and teeth about mm-hmm. the record overall. The, the advanced stats have this MSU team somewhere in the teens, but it can't be ranked because of the overall record. Mm-hmm. So we're right. starting to see those two things kind of square themselves up a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, I don't know if MSU is receiving votes right now. They probably should be. That's about where I would put them, given where they're at right now. But that, like, hopefully that continues this week and we'll get into the previews. But that's my through line of finally things are starting to hit their stride a little bit as far as who we're playing on the schedule. Hmm. I would say my, <clears throat> my through line is Jaden Akins. Uh, this was a two game stretch where you got to see the Jaden Akins that we were sold against the university of Michigan and the Jaden Akins that we actually purchased. Uh, that's not the right verb, but the Jaden Akins we got, I guess. Okay. So my stuff was problematic with the girl math but this okay hmm. yeah but take it because and we'll we'll get into the details in the maryland <laughs> game but uh th- this was a full regression to the mean uh from what we have with jay nakins and i just i don't love the fact that he like aj hogard like malik hall is reliably unreliable and that is the of course uh that's the through i guess that's the through line that is that's this team um and it's infuriating. And anyway, this is my long short. I'm not taking any. I refuse to have us celebrate Jaden Akins for his performance in the Michigan game. There you go. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> how about defense? Uh, mm. You know, Michigan, uh, we can get into the game in a little bit, but like 
that first half, I, I, I know it wasn't all fluke shots, but the first half Michigan shot 60.8%. Mm-hmm. From uh, field. Yep. From the field. And there were some crazy shots that went in. The yeah. defense was tenacious. It was late in the shot clock, just inexplicably tenacious uh, D happening. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, and uh, in, in the Maryland game, uh, you know, held to 30.9% from the mm-hmm. field. Yeah. You know, so it seemed to me, not that Michigan, I mean, well, Michigan can actually shoot halfway decently, but, uh, uh, you know, not that Maryland's a great shooting team, but it, it seemed that Michigan State excelled on the defensive end, uh, which is where they're going to need to make their hay. And I'll take that because the defensive stats have been on the wane a little bit. Offense has been greatly improving. Um, even the commentators have been talking about you know, three-point shooting and uh, offensive efficiency in the Big Ten season being greatly improved. Um, but the defense has sort of, like, been, you know, it's been at the expense of that. So if we're starting to see that also come up, that's encouraging. Because another through line that's not just these two games, but also the season in general, is are we starting to feel better about what this team might be able to do in the tournament or is this still the team that we kind of know plum you're the people can't see you but you've shaken your head no and then you shook your head yes what 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 are your expectations for this team in march oh if we get through the first weekend we've made a deal with the devil we don't deserve to get into the uh into the the sweet 16 we we probably will but I, nothing about this team's performance because I think they haven't shown the consistency of being able to slot win after win after win. Yeah. Now you can against a team like Michigan, the fucking bottom of the stack. We've already beaten Maryland once. So beating them again was really, really made it more difficult than we needed to. Um, you, I mean, let's talk about Mati Sissoko for a second here. This is a guy against Michigan that had four rebounds, zero points in 18 minutes. Against Michigan. Now, I get that they scored well in the first half, but the second half was a completely different team. It was a junior college team. How in the hell, how in the hell against this, what is, it has to be one of the worst Michigan basketball programs in all of time, the game where your coach on his birthday is about to get into the 700 club, and you, the best you can muster, four rebounds, no blocks. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm picking on him, but my point is, my point is, without a reliable center, and we've talked about the importance that the five is is to this team, as it would be to any team, mm-hmm. the inability for us to consistently square this circle of of how this team is going to perform with any consistency, that's the only thing you can rely on when you get into the tournament. And this team has zero of that consistency. So for me, that's the... That's the concern. Mati was the focus of my ire, but as anyone that listens to this pod with any regularity will know, I've come for every single member of the team, and none of them, none of them, with maybe the, the slight exception of Tyson Walker, and we'll talk about him in a minute, is able to perform with any consistency week over week over week. That is the death knell for the program. Well, not to make us jump into uh, the other game, 
I agree with you, and I thought that Maryland was actually the better example of that. I thought mm-hmm. at times in the Maryland game, we were seeing, and it, you know, the Maryland game was never in doubt, but it was also never really put away until like the last five minutes, essentially, of the game. I thought that the Maryland game was sort of like, what can happen when you've got a game that you're supposed to win, but no one really shows up? And then Malik Hall sort of started to assert himself, but in the first half, of that game, I was like, this is kind of what you, what happens when no one shows up that day to work. MSU is a team where you can be like, Tyson Walker takes over and you win the game. Yep. Malik Hall takes over and you win the game. Jaden Akins scores seven for 10 for three, as he did against Michigan, and you win the game. Yep. But there's also games that can happen, and I think it will happen eventually in March, and that's I completely agree with you. You can't rely on this team to win five games in a row against uh, increasingly difficult opponents because there are also games where no one shows up and then that's just an L and it's going to happen eventually. It might happen this week. We'll get to it in the previews, but we've got two games this week where we need guys to show up. And as much as I'd like to say that it's, gonna be two wins at minnesota and illinois i'm inclined to say it's gonna be a split this week (laughs) because like the consistency still is not there for the most part and another kind of emerging story here is maybe the wear and tear on tyson walker i think we're starting to like physically see it robbie hummel talked about it but like you can tell that he's gassed. You can tell that he's, that there's like plays that aren't even really like him getting like swatted at or like he twists an ankle, but like his body seems to be broken down, breaking down. Hmm. We talked at the beginning of the season about how like Tom wanted to get him more time back when we were the number four team in the country. Do you guys remember that? I do. Uh, Tom, mm-hmm. Tom wanted to get him more time on the bench. But that just has not manifested itself. We've needed him to play 30 plus minutes a game, every game. And I'm a little worried about that coming down the stretch too. Jonesy, your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I don't know. It's, it's fair to say that you're not getting a consistent level of production. I'm just looking over the, the stat line though, from the, the Maryland game. And, and look, Jade Nakins went one for seven from three point range coming off of a, a, a seven bucket, you know, or seven, three point, uh, game against Michigan. He hits one more three, which is not a crazy ask one for seven. We, we do know one for seven is more than not than the usual, even in a, in a down Jaden performance, like you would expect to see a two for seven and then he's at 10 points. And like, I think we're reframing the entirety of the conversation around his production, which means you've got Hall at 19, Walker at 19, Aikens at 10, right? Um, you know, you might be asking for a bit more out of AJ in that instance, but like, I, I don't know, like Maryland's also an elite defensive team. They're Ken Palm. Wait for it. Eight. They are Ken Palm six. So like. So let's take that in some context that that Maryland is a very good defensive team. Very good defensive team. Mm-hmm. Uh so, you know, 
it's it's fine and fair to to like to want more production. I two dudes knocking on the door twenty though ain't bad, and and again AJ makes one more three, and I think we're having a different conversation about what his output was in the game, particularly when he nabbed three offensive rebounds. Uh, you know, so Aikens. That's all to not. Did I say Aikens? I meant to say Aikens. If I didn't okay. say Aikens, you said AJ. Yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. A- yeah, Aikens. If he if he makes one more three, he's at ten, and he picked up three offensive boards. But the that's not to say that there there's at any point in time that I've I disagree with you about the level of faith I have in consistency. Mm-hmm. For as great as Malik Hall was down the end of the game, I've never seen Malik Hall do that before. So like, yeah. what's to expect me to see him do it again? Because all we've seen out of Malik. The the true thing about Malik for the entirety of his career is seeing him do something one time and being like, oh my God, that's amazing. And then never seeing him do it again. Mm-hmm. Like that move, the crossover, and then behind the back to like take it to the hole in the Maryland game. That was incredible. Yeah. Like most of the time it feels like a circus show when he's dribbling in there. And that was elite. Yeah. We will never see him do that again. And, and, and 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 I say that while fully acknowledging that since that Northwestern game, I think he's averaging like seven boards a game and, and 14 points. Like he's played extremely well since that Northwestern game. But, you know, but closing time, I've never seen that out of Malik. Do we so, want to talk about, so Graham mentioned it when he was with us, and then he said it to the media in the scrum afterwards that he was tired after that game. So we have wait Malik was tired after. Yeah, he said during that game at the end of it, he was tired. And I, I know all guys are tired, but I think that might be a reference to like. I just kind of didn't have it at the end of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, is Even that a he concern? was excellent at the end of the game? Yeah, well, I mean, maybe he should be tired all the time. Maybe we need to wear him down more. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it was a reference to just how how hard Maryland plays defensively. Could be, could be. I wasn't there. I wasn't in the scrum. But uh I think that I'll see and I here's the other thing, sorry, it, to because I I do think it's worth evaluating Maryland in context. Trey Holloman leads the nation or led the nation in assist to turnover ratio. Mm-hmm. Trey clearly had a bad night, but one assist to three turnovers is the most un-Trey Holloman thing I've ever seen in the entirety of his career at Michigan State, including his first game as a freshman. Like, I mean, it just... This is why you're there. I will say... I totally forgot about that, but those three turnovers were, like, the most, like, turnover-y turnovers. You've never seen him do anything. Like, ever seen him do anything. off the page. They felt like a thousand turnovers. Even though it was kind of actually almost like acceptable levels of turnovers. Don't buy my. I will say this I left the Maryland game not happy, and I took some time to, to think about it because I was like, how did we let a dude go off on us for 30? Yeah. But then, you know, the. What five five Maryland players scored points in the game? Only five. Well, it was only three. Two of them garbage time, right? And so the fact of the matter is, is that Michigan State was so elite defensively in this game 
that they allowed the one good player from from Maryland, Jameer Young. Well, Dante Scott's pretty fantastic too. But like Jameer Young played 39 minutes and shot about his season average. His utilization was through the roof and his efficiency was not particularly good other than that dude creates contact and got to the line and went nine for nine from the line. Mm-hmm. Like, he's so a great player. You'd Alex love to have him on the team. Favorite player, nine for nine from the line. Like, priorities. He's like 91%. I mean, so anyway, I think, I guess, I don't know. Like, I think there is something to Michigan State couldn't just do the offense thing and beat Maryland. They had to show up defensively and they did show up defensively. Yeah. Notwithstanding Jameer Young's 31 points, which is for all of the turnovers, those trusty, trusty turnovers, good old AJ giving the ball away. Not once, not twice, but three times for the fun of it, (laughs) for the fun of it, for the lulls. As the kids say. But eight, eight assists. Eight to three is not a terrible ratio. Bah. There are, there are years past Michigan State was better then, but we would have celebrated about 12 turnovers being the number. So, <laughs> so true. So true. Factual. Speaking of other years and celebrating, um, there was only one dunk in the Michigan game. But mm. do we want to take a moment? to talk about that program and where it's at right now? As in, do we want to dunk on them? Yes, please. Well said. Uh, I, I felt really good at halftime about that game because we said, don't worry about it. They like to get out to big leads. They like to be up at half and they like to implode. And lo, what happened? And also, I believe, gentlemen, this podcast is now... One for one on betting recommendations. Told you to take MSU and the points. And we did. Because this Michigan team is just actively imploding on itself in a not even like a not even like a supernova kind of way. It's just like (laughs) sad and pathetic and like a it's just sort of like a, a slowly falling over shanty like being taken over <laughs> by the sea maybe i, I don't mm. know what it is mm-hmm. but it's not like it's not like a, a gross implosion it's not violent which it's like is like watching what, a weed hit by roundup it's just sort of like yeah leave it to mike jones to bring the lawn the lawn yep the lawn in here. that's it and he's absolutely right it's just withering away yeah. And man, is it ever like it, is it what does well, it just, say that we, we have to like force ourselves to take joy in beating that team by 10 points plus? I'll, I'll say this too. I mean, at this point in time, the evidence is in that if Michigan has a leave at, lead at halftime, don't yeah. bet on the game, bet on the live line that when they're up at halftime, that they will lose. Bet that. Yes. Um, not a gambler, but like it, Rutgers, they blew it. Northwestern, they blew it. Like us, they blew, they're terrible. Anyway, they can't close. Uh, it's very confusing. It's like watching the Lions play football. I mean, it's I, not that confusing. Like they're a bad team, and they don't. They're badly have a designed. Yeah. Yep. They just 
they have five dudes and that is it. And one of them can only play home games. Well, they're coached by an individual who, and again, I don't have any professional training in this, but some might argue has borderline personality disorder. I mean, he is not a healthy individual in any way, shape or form. His rambling, incoherent press conferences are frankly fun to watch for anyone not associated with the University of Michigan because they are an object lesson in what full delusion looks like. If you could capture the essence of mental illness, uh, that's Juwan Howard speaking (laughs) out loud about anything, Uh, but particularly after his team has blown a lead uh, in the first half to lose which he gets uh, weekly opportunities to opine upon. So it is striking how he is still employed there is truly a question for Ward Manual. Not that Ward would ever answer such a question that's beneath his dignity um, to be held accountable for anything. But I, I, I think we were talking this week, guys, about it doesn't feel very much like Juwan is going to be with the program much longer because how could he be? I mean, how is this at all acceptable? Um, well, the real question is, I mean, the easy out is I'm stepping away for health reasons. He did have the urban Meyer. Yeah. He, he did have that happen to him, but what if he doesn't truly like does Ward Manuel have the stones to pull the trigger on something that is very clearly not working and also not going to work. Mm. But also not a priority. Like, it is worth remembering that they don't care the way we care. Yeah. That, I mean... It, it is true. Beeline was there for long enough to kind of reset the narrative on that program. But those of us on this podcast remember the the years before that when they were just wandering in the darkness and they hadn't put money into Chrysler. I, I had to do work concessions at Chrysler one time and it was Mm. like literally falling apart behind the scenes. I went to go like they were playing a really big game. They had like Georgetown there or something like that. And I, I was working the concessions And I had to go like grab a box and like parts of Chrysler were flaking off and falling down. I had to scrape Chrysler off. It's asbestos. It is asbestos. I I can't wait to join the class action lawsuit against the University of Michigan uh, and retire um, when inevitably that does happen. But I hear they settle. Beeline reset that. Not immediately, because he did have that whole process where yeah. he had to like fire his entire staff and and hire a new one, um, which actually I give the university some credit for making him do that. Um, sometimes I wish we would do that with our head coaches, but um, that this is like the steady state of Michigan basketball over the last twenty five years, including the fab five Mm -hmm. so 30 years 35 years is it just going to stay this way oh i sure hopefully i mean let's be clear they made a deal with 
with the devil to get their national championship. And of course they cheated. <laughs> Let's not forget the cheating. It's good to always remember the cheating. Uh, no, this is the, this is that program. This is the program for the next 30 years. Uh, that was the cost. I'm told. You're told. I'll take by it. The, by the devil. Yeah. I mean, this is a program uh, that has two big 10 tournament championships and three regular season Big Ten championships in the time that we were alive. So, like, they're not exceptional. Every once in a while, you'll see on social media, they, like, try to sneak themselves into a basketball blue blood conversation. I've never understood that. Yeah. But, like, they're barely even top third Big Ten. If you just look at their accomplishments and the time that we podcasters have been alive. So I don't know, man. Like if they don't, if Juwan doesn't walk away, do they just let this thing roll? I, this is the problem with hiring your favorite son. They, they ran into this. I mean, it, it yeah. worked out. It ended up for them with, out. yeah, with Jim Harbaugh, but it, there was, clamoring for the firing of Jim Harbaugh. And that's very complicated to do when you brought in, you went nuclear and brought in your savior. You, you know, John Beeline admittedly didn't leave with great timing, but it is, you know, Juwan Howard ought to be able to do better. But the, the thing is, I think this kind of cycles back to the conversation we had around Doug and him not playing it's the administrative stuff. It's the constantly going out and players that can't get into your university. Mm. It's over-recruiting the freshmen that you bring in through the transfer portal and having them leave. It's never having developed a point guard. Like, ever. Correct. Like, these, these are the, and you lost. You lost an All-American. He left you. In Hunter Dickinson, like your best player in a long time left you. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it's liability and the team would improve as a result of that. That's what I was told when it happened. Exactly. Well, and that and and heck, but that's the thing, too. Like, you want to get into X's and O's. Juwan Howard was supposed to be a defensive dude. They brought in two dudes from the transfer portal who were supposed to be plus defenders and they've gotten worse. By a lot, yeah. like they're hanging out in the in the two sixties. They are Ken or one sixties, one eighty seven on defense. Like wild, because that's worse than like a bad Iowa team. Mm-hmm. Yep, from a defensive efficiency standpoint. So like, it's just yeah. Yep. Anyway, yep. uh. Hate to see it. I think they got to fire him. I don't think they will, though. They won't. No, of course not. They couldn't happen to a nicer guy. And you know what? We should all celebrate. This (laughs) is an angrier guy, I think he's going to say. This is a fun little artifact on Ken Palm right now, because I just had to look this up. Teams 99, 100, and 101 overall. Indiana, Rutgers, Michigan. What a little Mm. chummy group. Huh? Just hanging out there at the Ken Palm three-digit number category. There's your your uh, Big Ten Blue Blood, Rutgers, and the University of Michigan. 
interesting. Do we do we want to chat any personnel stuff as it relates to our team, or should we move on to other sports? Is this a Xavier Booker reference that you're making yeah. here, Michael? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talking about Xavier or his mother? <laughs> mm. It's a well, deleted tweet, <laughs> Alex Plum. We don't traffic. Ah, we don't traffic we're, in deleted tweets. We're above this. Yeah. We don't traffic in this kind Very of... Uh, very good. Very good. <laughs> then it's to gymnastics we go, where we celebrate more victories over the University of Michigan. At Chrysler. At Chrysler, peeling apart asbestos-filled mesothelioma of the future <laughs> Chrysler Arena, the gymnastics program, uh, defeating U of M in front of what might have been their largest crowd ever, 14 people there on, uh, <laughs> on the day we defeated them. So that was a huge win for us. Uh, but no, this was the this was the third. Uh, we, we we I should say we notched two perfect tens in this game, which brings uh, on for our girls, which brings us to three, uh, three ten point scores. I don't know how to say that. I'm not saying it very eloquently, but it's the first time our past season uh, single season record for ten point ten point O's, You know, perfect scores on any of the events yeah. was two, and this year we're already at three. The season still got uh, weeks left. Uh, but this was a big this was a big program win for the women's uh, gymnastics program, particularly because um, Mike Rowe, the head coach for the program, said that they were still playing around with lineups. So uh, the I think they had just in the first rotation, uh, we had our like third best performance on bars. The girl who like let off as a sophomore, she hadn't been on bars before. So like this this team is beating you know, rivals and achieving some of their best results ever. And they still haven't fully landed on what events each of the players or teammates or whatever is going to be best at. I just think that is exceptional. And I think it just goes to show the level of drive and desire to continue to, to, to compete at a high level. So, um, yeah, currently anyway. undefeated in the big 10. Yeah. Um, so make Top your way on out to Jenison in the nation. Yeah. Uh, are they now? Cause they were, th- I believe they're top. MSU and U of M were tied for 13 um, when the meet happened, but I don't know. I think this brought them to top 10. Excellent. And uh, first win at Chrysler Mm. since 1990. Wow. Which let's just say this though, for a second, let's take a pause. I feel like we've been seeing in a number of sports, particularly women's sports, uh, which isn't it's not a, a negative at women's sports but a, more a testament to what the athletic department has been doing right we've been seeing a number of first win against u of m since and it's a d- embarrassingly long amount of time yeah and so you know uh kudos to these spartans like you yes. love beating u of m in every sport yes um and i like this trend of winning and I like that we get to talk about other sports and feel like winners. Winners. And, and also, it has to be said, kudos to confirm listener Alan Heller. Alan, mm. good job. Like, showing yeah, an interest good. in these other teams, not just the two or three-ish or four-ish, depending on how you want to cut the numbers, revenue teams, like showing an active interest in all of MSU athletics and showing that this is a program that can walk and chew gum at the same time. Mm. It can support these other programs. I mean, volleyball is getting 
a great deal of fan support. Women's soccer is getting a great deal of fan support. Hopefully gymnastics gets a great deal of fan support. They might need to move gymnastics out of Jenison. But hopefully Jenison gets, you know, the capital investments it needs to be better. But sure. Yeah, that would be fantastic. If like Jenison couldn't keep women's gymnastics in it anymore. I'd be thrilled with that. Um, but that also goes to credit this university in mid Michigan for being there to support all of these different teams as well. So yeah, we're it's being built and they are coming and that's important to call out here. here. Uh, hockey super quick splits with uh, Notre Dame. Uh, Trey Augustine in the first game had an incredible game with 31 saves or something like that. Yeah. Am I making and that up again in the second game? as well just didn't didn't win it well they won Not they lost score. the first game they won the second game oh i thought they won the first one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah we we got up one nothing and then lost four one and then yes 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 correct um uh also want to note uh women's soccer which has been on a tear the last couple of years just brought in the number 13 recruiting class in the nation which is the highest rated class uh, for women's soccer ever uh, and I think they return a ton of talent. So it should be a really exciting team uh, for uh, for this year. Can we just say, I, 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 I got to take a second to just celebrate Jeff Hassler. Jeff Hassler is the coach of this program. Not to celebrate a man while we're also celebrating the women's program. Sorry, that's not a great look. But uh, Jeff Hassler succeeded Tom Saxton as the coach, who'd been the coach at women's hockey, uh, women's soccer for 30 years. In fact, was the inaugural coach for the women's program. This is only the second coach for women's soccer uh, in this school's history. And he is our, his 27, eight and six mark at MSU. I can't even begin to tell you how good that compares to, to Tom Saxon over a 30 year career. <laughs> I truly can't. Tom Saxon's a family friend. I love Tom Saxon with my whole entire being. Jeff Hostler, my Lord and my God in his third season, this gentleman, this gentleman and scholar has, has exceeded any expectation that anyone possibly could have had for him this team is so exciting to watch they will be playing in april northwestern uh and notre dame they're playing notre dame at home and then they will travel to evanston to play at northwestern as part of the spring cup uh some of the best teams in the country are selected and invited into this and it's uh, kind of a home what is it, you guys? A home and away and away, I believe is how we might refer to it. Listen, we can't, yeah. well, we no, can't that's do not, this there, two There's no swapping. There's no swapping. There's a lot of swapping. There's a lot of swapping. It's three teams in a pod. just different games. No, no. You're a horrible they person. Play, they all play home and homes? They all play home and homes? I'm literally going to quit the pod, which would make a lot of you happy, and so I won't do it. I won't do it. <laughs> Jeff Hostler. <laughs> you heard it here first. Alex Plum, the only reason he's still here is because you want him gone. Right. <laughs> just to spite that's, just that's to spite everyone fully spite <laughs> all right uh i want to shout out again uh we we uh mentioned last uh last week uh the uh, clear lake grill slash mom's merc uh go ahead uh, visit if you get a chance off of the clear lake road exit um, on on ninety four, fantastic food, and if you mention can't read, can't write, off of an ordinary bill, you get fifteen percent off. Uh, would really love it if you visited. Let's head off Grand River now, and we've got a few interesting things to chat about. 
first is the Big Ten and SEC had a totally normal meeting about the future of college football. Uh, this isn't just, normal. This is bad. They, I think the backpack they is going to work, do a though. Line. <laughs> <laughs> they, they wanted to align on what the relevant questions were. Uh, Super League coming, right? So there are two ways to look at this. One is this is the very beginning, and I think most people look at this as this is the beginning of the Big Ten and the SEC, football at least, breaking off. Yes. There's another way of looking at this, though, which is this is the Big Ten and the SEC deciding how are we going to swing our thunder and just decide what the NCAA is going to do from here on out. and. I guess it's like the most likely thing, like don't be naive. I think the most likely thing is that the SEC and the Big Ten, at least for football, are going to spin off and leave the NCAA. But Plum... But, well, but because because why would they stay? That, I mean, that's exactly right. Like the entire infrastructure of the NCAA now acts against Correct. what the Big they Ten have and the devised. SEC... Yes can benefit from yeah so uh, put a number can you even make an argument plum for why this could just be the big 10 and the sec just handing down to everyone else like this is the new ncaa like is it possible they do have a new commissioner over there he's said things in the media about like changes are coming is it even possible that that second potential outcome could come to pass Oh, I think it's guaranteed. I don't think, uh, let's be clear. They have the money. They have the lion's share of all the, is this there a, is the, the Big Ten and the SEC have the money. Yes, this is the Big Ten and the SEC. Do they have a single program that anyone, that, do, they, are they, do they not have a program that people really care about watching other than like local affiliates? You're saying those two conferences? conferences? Yeah. I mean, they, people always reference your Vanderbilts and your Northwesterns. Wait, With Northwestern? That. You mean Northeastern for football? Northwestern and the Big Ten? Yeah. Oh, you're I'm, saying does the I'm rest saying, of the NCAA? I'm saying think about the NCAA outside the Big Ten and the SEC. Who is who is who who are they missing in terms of a market share perspective? Notre Dame is probably the number one. Notre Dame brand. one. Great. And Notre Dame belongs to no conference, so they're really not part of the equation. Florida State, Clemson, Florida. Okay. Oh, Florida's uh, in the SEC, sorry. Florida's in the SEC. Oregon oh. State, of course. Yes, damn it. My whole logic is shot to hell. Mm-hmm. No, I guess you're right. Maybe Florida State, although, ooh, Monty Diaz much? <laughs> and Clemson, yeah, okay, I'll give you Clemson. But that's still, we're talking about crumbs. I mean, that's all that's left is crumbs. And if you think, and I don't think you think this, but I think, I mean, my God, how long is it before Clemson and Florida State I mean, I know the ACC's contract thing is very tight. It's quite confusing with ESPN and the other contract stuff. But, but if they aren't trying to get the hell out and now, so Florida, State, Florida, State, Florida State is trying right. to get the hell out and now. So, so my point is like, that's it. This is it. The NCAA is toast, at least with respect to college football. It's toast, and they should be because they've proved their ineptitude for so long. This is how we got here. I mean, this is exactly how we got here. Um, what I thought was ironic though, is, you know, two people who broke it are now here going to tell the world how to fix it. 
Like, I don't think so. Your recklessness is what's gotten us here. Your greed, your absolute and utter depravity, your hatred of all things tradition. Here I am, old man yelling at Cloud. But uh, one can't really no, waste time. But it is sad. Of- sure, and it, it is and it's, sad. And it is, and it's fine to be sad. I mean, but it just, it's getting, and, and I, and I completely agree with you, by the way, but I, but I don't care anymore because it doesn't matter and it's useless. It's useless protesting it. It, 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 it. It's an utter shame that we're here, but it's utterly unsurprising too. And it's the NCAA's own fucking fault. So I, if I'm, if I'm anybody, it's the pack one <laughs> and the ACC that should be angry after Kevin Warren lied to them about being in some sort of cabal to rebuff the SEC, and then immediately was like, he, 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 as they dipped their sleeping hands in warm water and watched them wee themselves. I mean, it's just mm, silly, 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 silly. It, it bums me out that, that places that you know have a robust and dedicated fan base you know, like uh, Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know they care about football there. Yeah, that. Yep. that's gone. U- University of Utah is is another school that comes to mind. Uh, the um, maybe Arizona State to a degree. Like I don't know these schools that that the idea that they're no longer meaningfully competing for something that like sort of folks care about on a national level. And and we departed from that a long time ago, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, before it was AP voters voting on on who a national champ was because the bowl system prevailed. And then we started moving towards wanting to crown a championship on the field, which I, I, I can empathize with. Yeah. But like, you know, the the four-team playoff certainly was, you know, it, you got to wonder if we went 12 or 16 from the jump. Do conferences last longer? Mm-hmm. Because there's more that now you have more TV revenue around mm-hmm. uh, interconference, uh, you know, competition. Uh, you know, there's there's more interesting storylines available. I I don't know. Maybe it all consolidates around brands, but just uh, this sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna keep watching because we get to be in the club, but like it sucks. I feel for I feel bad for fans at other schools. I think that's I guess right. That's where I'm at. I think that's right. Kevin, are we wrong? Why are we wrong? Well, there's part of me that thinks it's possible that the NCAA continues to limp along. I think if they just take their marching orders from the Big Ten and the SEC and they just sort of roll over, roll over, and yeah. expose that that underbelly to like whatever you guys want. And I think the reason that that might happen is that it would probably end up net benefiting everyone out of the club. Mm. Like it, it allows you a seat at the table. It's a smaller seat and it's a, it's a crappy seat and, it's, and you don't want to be in that position. And it's unfortunate. You're at the kid's table. Mm-hmm. You're, you're at definitely dinner, at the kid's at the, table. Yeah. But you're, you're at a table in the room and you wouldn't be otherwise. The problem with that is there might be just so much baggage with the NCAA. And that baggage is how college sports should work in most circumstances. Like if you look at all of the non-revenue sports and, and programs that, that aren't in the black financially, yeah. like the NCAA makes some sense for those. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it probably won't work. Uh, and I don't know what a post Big Ten SEC spinoff college football landscape looks like. I don't know what a post. I mean, the, the real gnarly thing in all of this is once that happens, like that's money that doesn't pay for a bunch of scholarships. It's money that doesn't pay for um, programs that we've already covered. Like the LSJ ran an article this week about MSU athletics running a deficit. And it was a little light on uh, details about why, because it came from a FOIA request from USA Today. So it was just like the, the, the numbers. And yes, indeed, MSU athletics ran a deficit um, for the third time in five years or something like that because of COVID. But you can't have some of these women's sports and some of these men's sports if they're not subsidized effectively by football. Unless you want students or taxpayers to start footing the pill for this kind of stuff. So I don't know where all this ends up. I'm afraid that it's not going to be where we want it to end up. But we will get to see MSU versus, you know, uh, Mississippi State in the MSU Bowl. God, fuck me. Way more often. So. You know, we feel better about that. Sure. I'm not sure. No. <sighs> I mean, like, truly, though, if if MSU didn't need to offset all of the football scholarships, Title IX wise, with women's scholarships, how many of those sports disappear? Yeah. Well, and, and at schools that that will no longer have any TV revenue coming in or, or substantially hampered TV revenue. How does that end up shaking things out? Does football get cut because you need to save other scholarships or does, you know, like what happens here? Do the, do the non-revs find themselves on the chopping block? And I guess, I don't know. I mean, I know what to what end it. We just, You used to just be able to play to win, <laughs> you know, and now you have to pay to play to win or just pay to win. I don't know. I, I, I know money always has played a factor in this in some ways, but it's a race to the bottom. I mean, this is an it's an utter and relentless race to the bottom. We will continue to find ways to race to the bottom. And I guess at a certain point, do you just hope that there's only one conference, that there are no conferences? I mean, because I, I don't know what you get back to. Like, this isn't pretty. And I mean, the, the tradition of it being what it was, like, conferences always changed sizes. People always joined and left conferences over time. So it's there was no single instance of the Big Ten that you can point to and say, oh, this was the, this was the Big Ten, you know? But, but, but one can understand that, that what we're moving very much toward is... You know, I think Jones, to your point, it, and I just what it represents, you know, that it, it feels antithetical to college. Yeah, like, yeah, I guess. It, particularly, I think being Spartans too, there's something a bit egalitarian about the the nature of our education, yeah. right? Like, yeah. uh, it, it just feels, uh, you, you know, something that is supposed to be well, obviously, is expensive for people to do like it's a it's a time of growth and freedom and it feels yeah. like we're not in that uh 
also just uh, this is going to be a net benefit for msu in a recruiting standpoint though when this happens <laughs> but you know at the same time well, there is no if truly if we move to a what 32 34 team 36 team super league situation if you see fucking akron on a recruiting sheet you're doing it wrong like we're never losing recruits to akron anyway no but so. like we we just went over an offer list and we're like impressed by illinois being there but not like it, it, you know what i'm saying that a lot of the recruits that we got had offer sheets that you would have described and have described as uninspiring yeah. and the notion that anyone in a 36 team super league i don't care if your coach got hired the day before signing day is gonna have to shovel up recruits from the mac is mm. insane because there are enough kids at a sufficient talent level that you ought to be, like, they're going to want to play in that league. Okay. But right now, you're still competing against Arizona and Arizona State and Oklahoma State and Kansas and North Carolina and, like, all of these teams that aren't going to make the ship. None of them get boats. Sure. So, um... Anyway, so we it's, can feel, I think we it'll can be feel better on signing day. Let me ask you yeah. a question. This is more of a. And we got to get to this next thing. Yeah, we got to do. Did the Ivy League get it right though? Because years ago, the Ivy League decided we're going to do away with athletic scholarships. We're going to put a cap on practices. We're going to put a certain product on the field because it represents our values. We're going to stick with sports, but we're going to do it under these circumstances. Was that actually? It was certainly the the more, uh, I guess, it represents their values. Was that the better way to go? Because it, this pursuit to the bottom for TV revenue at all costs, was that actually, in the <laughs> end, was that the folly of all? Was that the tragedy of the commons of college football? I, I think so. I think so. But but I don't think we know enough yet to know that that's been proved. I mean, that's my nostalgia speaking. Yeah, but I, I guess the thing is, right, like, uh, football for a number of places, like Western Michigan even, smaller schools, that football is your sort of front porch, right? And so the thought is, is that it, it increases your brand awareness it it provides uh, a meaningful sense of community and and makes your school more desirable to attend the almighty dollar actually for from why football is the way it is has more to do with the greed at the academic level than mm. it does at the athletic level so it really expand on that there why do you think so many places run their athletic department at a deficit o almost all schools do yeah. And all of them have football. It is because it is a front porch. Because it gets they, people in the John They see Hanna an ROI arguments. on the academic and the tuition and the housing. It's the same reason that Michigan State tripled up people in a room after COVID was to recomp those dollars that they lost. Like to say that the greed is at the athletic level, I think is a misstatement of how greedy administrators are when it comes to tuition okay. what costs more what what's increased more tuition dollars or the cost of a season ticket 
And I bet you it's tuition dollars. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And what you learn at Michigan State isn't substantially different than when we were there. So, uh, but you brought up the Ivy League, and that's a great transition to the next story we have on here. For those who didn't know, today, the National Labor Relations Board said that the Dartmouth men's basketball team can, uh, I'm sorry, a regional director of the National uh, Labor Relations Board has said that the Dartmouth men's basketball team are employees of the university and have the right to call for a meeting to unionize. What's the difference between this and the Northwest Western case from years? I forget what year it was. Yeah. uh, Is that the national national labor relations board opted not to take the case because the uh, national labor relations act only applies to private employers. The Ivy league is comprised exclusively of, of private, private employers. employers. Yeah. So uh, the uh, it, it it appears that the ruling says that each team can become their own union. Not all athletics have to combine together. So not all athletics are going to be bound by a singular vote. Uh, but you might be saying it's Dartmouth, right? And as we just discussed, no athletic scholarships. What gives here? Uh, well, profitability actually doesn't govern any of this. Uh, it's just merely that a person performs work on behalf of a business. Uh, and in the key to employee status is that uh, uh, Dartmouth exercises extensive control over the student-athletes. They control whether the basketball players work, whether they travel, what they practice, their playing time. Uh, and it was cited even in the case that they need special permission on a trip to get a haircut. So, like, profitability doesn't matter. It yeah. is the control that you exercise over somebody's duties. They get, and, and in terms of compensation, right, Dartmouth players, for instance, get uh, early enrollment uh, permissions as it relates to class schedules. Like, there are advantages that they get yeah. that aren't, aren't available to other students. So, um, really fascinating case. It might actually go by way of they are employees, which is a massive shift yep. in at least some portions, corners of college athletics in the way that these student athletes are viewed. So anyway, sorry Wild for the time. rambling there, but like, this is a big deal. This yeah. is a huge deal. Um, speaking of big deals, um, the Boston college head coach, head coach took the green Bay defensive coordinator role, which is important to us because MSU goes to Boston college this year in week three to play. Um, and is a testament to the state of college athletics. And that was the other thing. And it's a head coach deciding to go take a coordinator role somewhere else. Wild saying, nah, I'm good here because, because of NIL, because of uncertainty, because of all of this stuff that we just talked about at length. So that's, that's a little twofer. We got a little, we got reason to be interested in it as college football fans. And we've got reason to be interested in it as, um, MSU fans. This segment went long, but it tied together nicely. It did. Mm, It did. It It was a through line. Also rumor is Bill O'Brien's going to go take that job. So that's a coordinator in conference. Going outside the conference. just hired coordinator too. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Hate to see that for Ohio State. Hate to see it. 
should we preview these games and get to Twitter questions? Yeah. yeah, let's be swift with this because there's really no reason not to be. So we've seen, we we kind of know these teams. We played Illinois. Illinois is, or let's start with Minnesota. Go on the road. Minnesota's Ken Palm, 76, 98 on offense, 57 on defense. They're a good team, but this is, you know, technically a team that we should be able to beat on the road. Then at home, we face off against the Illinois. So they are Ken Palm 10 right now. Number six on offense, number 30 on defense. And as I said before, and again, we don't need to spend a bunch of time on this because we haven't played Minnesota, but we have played Illinois. Um, So these are teams that we know. I kind of get the feeling this is going to be a split between these two. We should be able to beat this Illinois team at home. It it was a three-point loss on the road, but also they're a little bit resurgent right now. And then this Minnesota team is just not great. So we'll see how this goes. I'd like to, you know, sweep this, of course, but it feels like something that we're going to Barn can be tough. Minnesota is playing a bit better and Terrence Shannon Jr. is back with Illinois. So just, I don't want to be the like, watch out, but yeah, but talking about the barn being tough, they've lost to Iowa at home. They've lost to Wisconsin at home. They've lost to those are the Missouri at home so far this year. So it's not impossible. They did just beat Northwestern at home in overtime. So Northwestern might be a better team than MSU, depending on how you want to cut it. Um, we'll get to figure that out in the end, I think. Mm. Uh, I think we're tied in the standings right now, and then we have them. But home. Northwestern is Ken Palm 49, MSU is Ken Palm 17. So in the advanced stats, we're a better team, but they have a better advanced record. Advanced stats don't and... count for Boo Booey. Yep, yep, <laughs> they have Boo Booey. Uh, should we go uh, to Twitter questions? Yeah, first up is listener Mike Jones who asks, y'all drinking anything tasty? Mm. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start here. I'm going to replug. Replug. You know, here we go. It's, it's warmed up a bit, but it's still chilly outside. And the old misunderstood ginger spiced whiskey is delicious. If you want Verner's with booze, I highly recommend the ginger spiced whiskey by misunderstood. And he's taking... Did you all hear that? A literal pull, pull off of this right now. <laughs> Truly pulling right from it. My Lord and my God. Plum, it's been a got? rough week. It's Monday. It is Monday. Yes, but today was quite a day. Uh, I'm drinking the uh, 10th Mountain Whiskey and Spirit Company out of Vail, Colorado's bourbon. Uh, 2021 award winner. It's quite pleasant. A quite pleasant bourbon. I drink it on ice this evening. And uh, none of the... None of the kind of overly sweetness that you get with some bourbons. Um, almost no burn. Very, very palatable. Really enjoyed this. Uh, and this is only aged one year. So this isn't like a super high high end on the price point side either. Speaking of high end on the price point, we tend to skew that way a little bit. Mm-hmm. But my Camarina Tequila Silver, which we've been having this weekend in uh-huh. margaritas, uh-huh. is very affordable. And very nice uh, in a margarita. So 
Next time, instead of reaching for something that's like El Toro level, maybe make your way on over to a place with the Camarina Silver and try that instead. Because it's it's in the like 20-ish dollars per, per fifth. And I was impressed. And the cork is wood. So it, it gives that... Jonesy, can you uncork yours again? It gives that very satisfying mm. like pop sound oh Ooh, yeah that's See? nice mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. god yeah i mean that's out. the whole thing right there and then you take a second pull on it <laughs> and then you pull it again so yes mike jones thank you we are drinking something tasty um second up from mike jones have you ever watched a college basketball game where the team shot 38 more free throws than the other team and it took ot just to beat them Someone needs to check Courtney Green's bank account. So this is a this is a reference outside of our purview. But uh, it's the Purdue, Purdue Northwestern game. game that yep. went to overtime. Uh, and I it's a little it's a little hard to believe considering that uh, how much Boo Boo is capable of getting downhill. Um, that the foul discrepancy there. Yeah, he didn't draw any of his fouls that he normally draws against every other team on the planet. I will say this, that I'm empathetic to uh, Purdue fans in this regard, that Zach Eady gets fouled an awful lot and it doesn't get called. However, Zach Eady... Uh, was caught on camera, and this is not surprising or new to anyone, throwing a bow straight into a dude's face, and nothing matters. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, Zach Eady for sure gets star treatment. But I, like, I also, I think I've decided that I'm over the narrative that Zach Eady is not uh, generational to a degree. To a degree. Yeah, yeah. He's good. He's excellent. Speaking of individual refs, Plum, we had Kelly Pfeiffer on a game and we didn't even talk about it. Yeah, I, I don't I feel like that might have been the first time we'd seen him all season. I think that Tom had to have said something. We've not seen a lot of Kelly Pfeiffer. And we've not seen a lot of Courtney Green. No loss there either after Courtney Green had an absolute fuck up at uh, Northwestern and Purdue ejecting uh, Collins uh, in garbage time uh, after the worst free throw and personal foul differential that any college game has to have ever seen ever. If Courtney Green gets a single postseason tournament at either any conference or at the NCAA level, it will be a true travesty because as all referees know, you're being graded and you can't have a fuck up that big. This might be Courtney's year off and he maybe got a little, little full of himself, but Kelly, <coughs> Kelly Pfeiffer has been there before. Unhappy people, unhappy <laughs> Uh, Courtney Pfeiffer, very grass fed, very, very, you know, uh, (laughs) married to his cousin energy out of Iowa. We get from Kelly. I thought it was like the The $5,000, the $5,000 fine too feels indicative of the NCAA or the big 10 saying, yeah, we have to, but like, yeah, let's make this as slap on the wrist as we possibly can. can. (laughs) We have to do this, but truly. Uh, yep. 
next up from listener Mike Jones, uh, Saturday felt like an old school Big Ten tilt, didn't it? Lots of D, tons of block shots, steals, six or seven tie-ups for jump balls. Just felt like an old school dogfight, and the refs didn't ruin it, in my opinion. Thought they had a clear line for most part of the day. Hmm. Uh, is this the Michigan game, right? No. Or was this the... Uh, Maryland. Maryland. That, yeah, Maryland. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Bill Eck, Brian Dorsey, and Paul Zelk. Listen, you could set your watch to Paul Zelk with a whistle in his mouth. He is the consummate basketball official currently working. All right, this is an Eddie Hightower brand official. This is a... This is a... Who, do, who, who was the guy? Pat Driscoll. Oh, you know I loved Pat Driscoll. Oh, my God. Pat didn't Driscoll. He in, didn't he get in trouble? Pat, never. Don't you dare. <laughs> oh, oh he, did he get suspended for COVID-related stuff? I don't think so. Not Pat Driscoll. You're thinking of um, the horrible one that everyone hated. Uh, 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 the, anyway, we'll come back to this. No, also okay. terrible. Um, no, the one that did college football. Uh, Pat Driscoll. Perfect. Upper New York. Just what a mensch. But Paul Zalk's right there with him. Bah! Paul Zelk's refereeing the game, and Tom likes Paul Zelk. It's going to be a good game. Okay. All right. Next up, go, Jones? someone no, uh, no one has ever heard of, Matt Sheehan. Uh, will this Saturday's game, which is the Illinois game, be the biggest overreaction game of the season? Win, and we are back. Lose. And God damn it, this team can't even beat a top 15 at home. This is, a, I think this is a fair question. Like, I... How are we going to feel? It's a top 15 team. I think the problem with this question is that the fan base does not respect Illinois. Correct. That's and, the answer. And they no one won't, should. They won't feel beating them won't give them any joy. So that it's yep. all downside, very limited upside. The expectation is to win this game and we won't get any joy from it. But losing it will cause a oh, tailspin. You don't, you don't think we get joy from it? Because this would be the validation that we've yet to have. I don't know. I think it would be on the same levels of beating an Iowa at home or beating an Indiana at home. I, mm -hmm. I know that they're vastly different teams. I know that. But I'm saying the fan base generally... You know, the rubes out there. The, the non-listeners to the you know Locked In Spartans podcast... They don't understand. They don't have the context. And I've done such a poor job of uh, previewing uh, this game that I don't think the upside is there for the highest of you highs. Talked about, I think only the lowest of lows are available. You talked about getting AP votes mm -hmm. and getting into the AP rankings. I worry because AP voters are rubes, if you, to use your, your term. Uh, in that they don't watch most games. And so all they do is like wins and losses. But I wonder if Michigan State lost so many games early mm -hmm. that we sort of have a tainted thing happening for us. And that unless we get another marquee win, which I don't care if it's home or away, beating a, a top 15 team, top 10 Ken Palm team uh, at home is still a marquee win. Yeah. I think you need that to change narrative. Certainly that works with the voters because they see the number. They see the little number and they're like, oh, number, good, win, good, up. But the question from Shahan, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, was about <laughs> the, 
the fan base. And I think the fan base has not adjusted expectations. Okay. Yeah. So you think this would this is par for the course is okay. This is baked in. Okay. There's an expectation that you beat Illinois at home no matter how good they are. Well, and no matter how many apathy. problematic people they have on their roster. We 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 know the listens, we see the Twitters, right? Like we know that there's an apathy that has set in around this season's team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you think that apathy is incurable? I think the if we go on a run, a win against Illinois in the scope of a bunch of other Big Ten wins is mm. worth more than an individual win over Illinois. Okay. All right. Well, they Sheehan, hear, I like they this hear about a, Greg a, thinks you're broken. I don't. I don't think this is Shahan's fault. I think this is just the expectation of the fan base. And this Could is just right. so you're blaming the listeners. That's well, they should be blamed sometimes. Yes. Uh, speaking of people who should be ba- blamed, verbose Dutch, you know what you did. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't do anything. You're good. Uh, name an MSU athlete that is m- a more pronounced love hate feeling from the fans than hoops number eleven. For those who don't know, that's AJ Hogard. Uh, I, by the way, verbose. I appreciate keeping people's name out of the out of the search. Can I submit uh, to you one Kenneth Goins? Oh my, that's a that's a little bit of a blast, isn't it? Do you remember like the deepest depths of Kenny Goins versus the highest highs of Kenny Goins hitting that shot against Duke? Like, I remember times where people were like, draw and quarter Kenny Goins at <laughs> at center court at Breslin Center. Who are people? Who are people who <laughs> might have said that? I couldn't guess. I couldn't guess. Not but one. then he, I, hits, he, he, like, he develops that three-point shot his, his last year. He hits that giant one against Duke. And it was just like, all is forgiven, Kenny. I guess, I guess maybe we should do... I'm I'm also smelling I don't know if I'm having a stroke, but I'm smelling a little wet hay right now. So trot, that's where I was gonna go. That's right where I was I, gonna go. I got a I got a blast from the past from you for you. Mm-hmm. Raymar Morgan. Oh, mm. Raymar Morgan was insufferable. Truly. Like so much promise and potential. And at times you'd see it, and then other times it'd be like, Are you even playing? I remember his put back dunk at assembly hall to secure a big 10 championship was like, this was the, we put up with five years or whatever it was. This is pre COVID four years of Raymar Morgan for this moment. He had this like ridiculous put back dunk to secure a game and a championship. Like Matt Costello. I had irrational hatred of too. Cause he was like Mr. Basketball for Minnesota and like we needed the five. And then there was just like three, two and a half years of suck. Um, and then eventually became obviously quite good. But anyway, uh, Kenny Goins is probably right. Was it Minnesota? Or was uh, it Michigan? I thought he was. I thought he was. Who am I thinking of? I thought who, he then, who's from beat Minnesota? out Denzel Valentine for Mr. Basketball in Michigan. Yeah, you, he did. Oh, might be. Might be. We're good. We're good. I just wanted to demonstrate uh, that I had more knowledge than you. Don't worry about it. The, Great question. Who's, who's from Minnesota? Keebler? Uh for- no. Uh what's his name that basically never ended up a 
accomplishing anything. You transferred his Maybe that's who I'm actually thinking of. It'll come to me eventually. That's fine. We'll move on. Kate Wall is up next. Who, Kate? I salute you. Keep this up. What more does Malik have to do to earn an apology? He has to put himself in this, that it's, verbose Dutch territory. We're getting really to we're getting to Malik apology territory, right? I think this is a recency bias. Plum, what do you think? Yeah, no. seven games. I, I, I don't know. I'm not until he stops being tired and having other pratfalls. <laughs> okay. No, no apologies. Next up, next up, Kate Wall. I drove with the windows down today. Does Jonathan Smith have a chance at winning the Big Ten before the state of Michigan becomes in, uninhabitable? <laughs> We're surrounded by so much water, Kate. That's that's just it's impossible. That's why I'm here. When the inevitable water wars break out, yep. Plum and I are going to be like when, we're, we're the new Florida. Yeah, yeah, and Michael, don't think you're going to get back in here. Okay, no. you're not. Oh, you're going to build a wall. You're going to build a wall. Hey, maybe. Mm. I'm just going to put a well in my basement and board up the windows. <laughs> That's it. And we're going to be good. You'll be great. I don't know what I'm going to eat, but there's going to be plenty of water to drink. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> Ice cakes. Uh, next up for Matt Wiggins, Wiggins, uh, Elmo tweet. Elmo is just checking in. How is everybody doing? Did you guys, uh, you guys know what this is in reference to? Did you see this? Yes. Okay. And I, you saw, everyone saw the Elmo tweet. I cannot wait for the next season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Because it was about time. Did you see that that he's apologized? I saw the apology. Was that an apology? Was that an apology? Now for Larry David, it sure was. (laughs) Though. It is easily the funniest thing he has ever done. Oh, my God. He the, couldn't I, help it. In the entirety of producing <laughs> in the, the, the scope of things that he's responsible for hilarity. Uh, uh, but, Matt, I think we're we're OK, right? We're in the OK camp. Yeah. Yeah. All, all if we fine. if we go two and oh next week, we might move into good. Yeah. Is that fair? Sure. I mean, I base my entire identity off of this team and its performance. So sure. Yeah. Why not? Next up from Beth Amaro. uh, Oh, this is for me. Grek. Grek. You were absolutely psychic in your prediction on the U of M game. What should we call you now? Karnak, Zoltar, or Nostradamus? Your answer will be telling. Yeah, I will take uh, Zoltar uh, for sure. Because I think really? that's a big reference, and big was a VHS tape that was available at my uh, parents' house. And as anyone in our generation knows, yeah, VHS tapes that happened to exist at your parents' house were very, very important for your development as a young person. Because you would be watching them all over of the and time. Over again. That's right. Yes, it's one hundred percent right. Yeah, um, I thought for sure you would have picked Karnak. Nope, Zoltar. You Zoltar you base your, your entire identity on trying to be funny. You yeah, uh, before we started recording. Uh, wow. Nope, Zoltar. Yeah, big reference all is always going to work on me. Unexpected yep. big reference. So thank you, Beth, um, for <laughs> for calling out when I got it right. 
after hundreds of previews. (laughs) Next up is John Eves. John, we had a baby Eves, the boy. What happens first? Juwan Howard gets fired or Mati Sissoka makes a fadeaway hook, right hook shot. Also, John, want to Uh shout out to you Uh for using number 22 instead of the name. Good on you. Yep. We've got a a very couth uh, Mm -hmm. fan base here. We do. Yeah. And the answer is John Howard. John Howard will be fired before Mati Sissoko does anything (laughs) with any real productive value for this team. I'm going the other way with this. Really? I'm going to take number 22 on this one. You've forgotten Ward Manuel. Yep. Uh That's the factor in this. The man who wouldn't fire the hockey coach until the report became public. Until he got fired. I just don't see it happening. Uh, Break Uh, the tie here, Jonesy. What do you think? Oh. uh, I think he sided with you. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I think. we, Mati's made one at least before. I'm I'm gonna go with Mati. All right, there it is. Uh, next up, the Kiski. Hoggard has, uh, or sorry, Hogard has uh, five shots. They won. My theory is correct. And here, I want to thank you, Kiski, for doing the right thing, which is naming the players when they're horrible, inconsistent, and very bad. Indeed. Next up, the Kiski. What's with the new NIL? Who runs it? Keith, we ran, we went over this with Graham uh, two weeks ago. A couple, uh, two weeks Greg ago. Greg Williams has this. Not Greg Williams. Is it Greg Williams? Yeah, it's Greg, yeah, Williams, Greg Williams primarily. Yep. And yep. there might other, there might be other people involved, but I don't think that's been reported have on. Their names we on don't buildings. have it confirmed. Mm-hmm. So, yep. yeah. Keith, we're we're being as transparent as we can with you right now. That's right. There, the rumor. We can say this because. We're not reporting it. We're not we traffic in rumors. We love rumors. Uh, the rumor is that Scandalaris is also involved in it. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's Greg Williams' baby. It seems and like here it. you're talking about a building, not a person. Very good. Last up from the Keith Ski, I miss more Cohen Carr. Why is Tom doing this to us? Because he I does get agree. beat on defense a lot. He does. Still. Even still. Yeah, but like, all right, fine. How many possessions does he get beat in comparison to possessions where he erases the mistake of somebody else? True. I'm not saying that you never should play Cohen Carr. I'm just explaining why Tom is doing this to us. This is the Tom Izzo that you should know at this point. This is love to hate. Decisions. Yep. Next up from Thomas Zambiasi, I'll take the win, but when will the Big Ten step in and do something? 63 should be a winning score to a basketball should game. Not. Should not. Should not. Should, should not. not be a winning score to a basketball game. Correct. I, That's right. Give credit to Maryland. They're very good at slowing the game down and making it ugly. Like, you gotta give credit where credit's due, and I don't think that game was officiated poorly. No, and and anyway, the Big Ten has proved they don't give a fuck. Sh- shut up, America! They say they don't care. They do not care. We're a conference going its own way. We can do whatever we want. Absolutely, fuck off! They say. <laughs> Next up from Thomas, not to yell at a cloud, but did the combo of COVID and some lackluster play dampen the zone? Even 1920 was nuts pretty often, despite not being the peak. Mm. Uh, I guess. Mm. Uh, have you guys noticed like uh, a lull from the Izone? I actually thought over the last couple of years the Izone deserved credit 
but I have not actively thought that so far this year. So maybe that they deserve credit or that they've been, um, that they deserve credit. mm. I think, I think maybe the previous classes of the zone. Yeah. Were maybe a notch higher than this one. Yeah. Um, but not as bad as some zones I've seen. There are some zones in the, like the late teens where it was like, guys, guys, wake up, wake up. Yeah. You have good teams. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate these ranked opponents. If only the they knew. Teams. If only they knew like, then. They, they, they truly born on third situation. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's right. Uh, so maybe. Uh, next I up, Ali. Thomas, you might be onto something. Continue. Yeah. Uh, Ali, can we talk about what this team will be like when it becomes Trey's? Don't. Don't. Why? What, no, what is it? Just a, turn, just a turnover team? Just a team of sloppy, no, ill-regarded so, play? So, don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. He leads the nation in assist to turnover ratio. Well, excellent. He one bad one one know, bad game in two. How about years. this? How about this? The only, how about this? The only way you can have an assist to turnover ratio is if you have turnovers, Mike. Make, make <laughs> that one make sense. Can't divide by zero, my friend. I mean, you can still have the ratio. It could just be imaginary. Um, <laughs> my question is. Does it become Trey's team or does Jeremy Fears? Oh, leapfrog him. Is it? We look at these things in terms of eras, right? We mm-hmm. look at the Kalen Lucas era. It's not always point guards. You know, we look at, you know, other players' eras. We, I guess the Dry Joey Hauser era for sure. Joey Hauser era. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the, Will the next one be the Jerry? The Rocket Fears? Watts era. The, the Rocket Foster Lawyer era. <laughs> the Foster Lawyer era. Well, we're this, living through the Stevie Izzo era right now. I mean. The Thomas Githier bump. Uh, God. I, so it's certainly, it's certainly going to transition yeah. to Jeremy Fears. Like it, it has obviously. To. Correct, it has But to. to say that Junior Trey Holloman isn't going to be a primary mover and a tone setter for the team, I think yeah. would be naive. So like it, when the history books are written, yes, it will be written as the Jeremy fears era. Mm-hmm. But I, I think we can be a little bit more educated than that. It particularly, at least in the moment and say, Trey Holloman is very clearly a leader as a sophomore. Yeah. Works his ass off and and upholds Tom's values. Yeah, like that's why he played last year is because he did what the assignment was. He defended yeah. and he didn't turn the ball over. Yeah. So is this going to um, be a Tyson Walker situation where he moves at the two primarily? I think so. I mean, yeah, I suspect. Well, they're they're bringing in enough guards that I think yeah, he'll continue Richardson to do. Yes, and in, who's a point guard? Well. And uh, so Richardson's coming, Kurtang's coming. Uh, both of those guys uh, are shooter. Well, Jace Richardson's a, a, a combo guard. Um, so I, I think they got they've got other shooters coming in. But like Trace shooting a stupid percentage, just take that on the road with you and keep yeah. shooting. Yep. Like honestly, please. It, he annoys me when he passes up looks. Shoot more. You have the highest percentage on the team. Yep. Next uh, up from Ali. Good. Oh, sorry. I was going to say good question. It's a good question. It is a good question, Ali. Um, much ado is being made about the change in recruiting philosophy by our short king, Jonathan Smith. 
like, for example, the regional composition of attendees to the junior day and the concept of a junior day. Thoughts? I think it's that, tough. Go ahead, Jonesy. I, well, junior days are a chance to, because folks are bringing a posse up, right? Like you get volume, hmm. you get connections, you get to show off your facilities. That's all dudes. If their coach didn't come with them, they're all going back home and reporting that. Jonathan Smith's priority right now can and should be to connect with folks in the, 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 the Tom Izzo radius, we'll call it the five hour radius around Michigan state university. Yeah. Like in year one, I think this is, this is like, this belongs in the brand binder. This isn't stupid. This is a really smart idea. Hmm. Connect with the place that should feed your program. Whether that's in the, in the, in the like low trenches, if you will, not like trenches of the offensive defensive line, but like, the, the folks who fill out your roster or with the occasional four to five star talent that comes through Michigan and Ohio, like yeah. you, you got to connect with the staffs back home. Yep. This is a brilliant idea. I, I don't think this is dumb. Okay. Just I'll one man's it. opinion. Next up from Joe Ashworth, the longer Izzo coaches, how likely do you think it is that Tum Tum either joins the staff or emerges <laughs> as the heir apparent? I mean, a diminishingly small percent chance. Yeah, very (laughs) small. But I do appreciate, Joe, that you listened last week and you heard my absolute unhinged tirade against Tom Izzo. And you're you're taking up this they're taking up the the mantle, as it were, advocating for some standard bearer to come through the mist and lead us into the glory land. Well done, you. Can we talk about this for a second, though? Like, no, because no, Tom Tom's the one who said, well, at least we don't have cancer, right? They lost him. You know what? Hey, but he's right. No, no, he's wrong. Ah. Like, Losing I think feels that like is absolutely. <laughs> that is the wrong perspective to have if you are a coach. I ah. wholly disagree with that, that, that your competitive drive should be such that, and we know Tom is. Yeah. Like, work through the cancer. Like, <laughs> truly, I. <laughs> I, I don't know, like, I appreciate that Tum Tum's like this guy that, that we hear is really nice, but like everything I ever hear him say, I'm like, I, keep him away. Yeah. Keep him away. Yeah. yeah. He seems like know. a guy that's like, he's the good cop to the actual coach's bad cop. You know, he, the bad, the actual coach is like the bad guy, makes all the stuff happen and then like rubs people the wrong way. And then. And then Tum Tum comes in and is like, hey, it's not so bad. Let's go at least you don't have cancer. Yeah, at least we don't have cancer. That's probably better than let's go to church. Um, the longer this But goes, he also said that with the, the pamphlet. The more I'm convinced, we've speculated for years about like who is it in the Tom Izzo coaching tree that's next. If it does end up being confirmed listener Alan Haller that makes this basketball hire. I don't think the next head coach at MSU is in the Tom Izzo coaching tree. I correct. Think someone outside. Correct. One hundred percent correct. And and good. Yep. Couldn't agree. And more. and good. Good for it. His tree's not that good. It's not. It leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, hundred percent. All right. Next up, Beppe Plum, my son, my son Beppe. 
Last week, my ex sent my daughter to school with a four-inch craft knife, and now she's suspended on my week, the week I have federal testing to administer that I scheduled in August. Should I eat peanut butter and jelly in case they fire me, or steak because I'm tenured and safe? Steak. Steak week. Steak. Sounds like you week. could use that steak, my yeah. man. Yeah, and maybe and maybe some of the Tenth Mountain whiskey, bourbon, Vail, Colorado. So why why did the knife go to school? Like, was there a purpose behind it? Maybe she didn't know that knives can't go to school. They're this not is, supposed to. This is new. To no people. knives. Yeah, it's only oh, been there's no scissors in school. How many inches are on that? Hmm. <laughs> mm. Last up from Beppe Plum, rant of the week. Meh, I got nothing. Maybe that Bucky's sandwiches are overrated. I'll go with that. Also, I woke up at 4.30 this morning and started doing schoolwork and thinking about Bucky's sandwiches. <laughs> I'll just go get a brisket sandwich for dinner since it's kid pickup night. Have you guys done one of these like big super monster like gas station no. like, restaurant things? No, I don't. I, no, but you, is is what is is Bucky's a store? Is it? A, it seems like a convenience. Is it not? A, is it not a truck truck stop? It's a truck stop, right? Is it, it is a truck stop. stop. How's it different? How's station, it different right? than a Wawa? It's very similar to that, isn't it? Mm, I don't or know. A what sheets, a, a sheets, a Wawa. Yeah, none of, none of these are Michigan branded locales. I'm confused. Um, so think of Speedway, but not shit. And mm. Speedway is your nice place in no Michigan. the flying j the pilot very respectable pilots on 94 no those are like th- those are those are truly truck stops no they're very you've not been to a good pilot it's go true. to the, go to the pilot and paw paw you'll you'll like it one time i walked into a pilot and i wasn't planning on taking a shower but i just did because the facilities were so nice because you could because you could <laughs> You didn't have but to show is, a card or anything. This is like truly a big cultural difference between us yeah. Yanks and yep. the South is they have these like super gas stations with like yeah. convenience stores built no. in and restaurants. And no, you're being insane right now. We have them here in Philly. Philly is the South Whoa. in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. Culturally. We're above the intellectually. line. Intellectually for sure. The South. Yeah. Pittsburgh has sheets. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iowa has their own version of these. Like it, these are strewn throughout the United States. All right. I, I, well, I, we're we're already at two hours here, so we're gonna go to Dan Hellpepper next. How do we convince Malik Hall? Thank you for naming him. To whom the podcast owes a huge apology. False. <laughs> to disassociate. <laughs> to disassociate when he catches a pass on the three point line and think he's Xavier Booker but then quickly switch back to himself to play defense without causing psychic damage or pain. I think that's right. I Dan, here's the thing. Malik has accurately realized that it takes him forever to get a shot off. His shooting motion is so slow. So when he looks open, he's, I'll give him credit, aware enough to say, I'm not open. <laughs> like, <laughs> truly... If there's a man within six feet of him, he ain't shooting that ball. He's just tired. Yeah, he's just tired. a sleepy he's guy. One, he's way one free throw, or I'm sorry, one three point shot, and I think in those last seven games, mm. if he's shooting one for two, great. Yeah, great. Wow. I just want to take this opportunity to congratulate Kate. Your bit has 
grown. It's got mm-hmm. legs. It's that. Yep. It's yep. it's a life of its own. Yep. Welcome. Well, well done, you. Kate. Well done. Well done, you. All right. Next up, Mister Neurotic Pants. Alex, could you castigate Grooch and Jones for their unceasing bigotry? I don't and know. It- Plum's the one who talked about owning a person. Today. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was that was ineloquent at best. Uh, it is true, though, dear listener, the homophobics, the homophobics, as it were, that I have to deal with the routine, senseless and what I should say, arbitrary. Um, uh, now, what I said broadsides, the other day was broadsides. <laughs> broadsides. You can't set us up by, by exclaiming broadsides. You can't tee it up like that, Alex Plum. It's not fair. <laughs> Oh, uh, QED. You what can I say? Watch a, you didn't watch a game and said it's RuPaul night. <laughs> Listen, that's true. You can't expect me to not say that was true. That did happen. You <laughs> but the game I think was on the Pacock that week, so that's not my fault either. No, Cox in the name. Also, uh, this is new information yeah. to Mr. Neurotic Pants. He was talking about bigotry besides what happens in our group chat. Unless True. he's hacked yeah. in like the upper deck jerk guy. Uh, next up from Mr. Neurotic Pants, does any do any of you exercise or do you do it vicariously through Stevie Izzo? Uh, so true. <sighs> I want right you guys to know he's- that I folded down the... Uh, the rowing machine this week. It is wow. Additional space in the guest room right now. Wow. You can't even open the door because it sort of bangs into it on accident. Wow. Uh, because I'm, I I do I'm appreciate that y'all dust guy. it for me when I come to make mm-hmm. it seem both like you keep clean and that you work out. Well, neither of those things are true in effect. Mm-hmm. Um, Plum's only, uh, you're only the member of one gym right now right we're down no two no we're, two you you wouldn't know by looking at it at me as i am for sure the uh in the largest body i've been in forever but that's okay it's not always about the size of the body it can also be the quality of the life so for sure member of two gyms. also member of two gyms uh i don't know that you need two but going to the gym is great and if anyone's interested in starting, go to the gym. Go to the great. gym. It is good. Uh, yeah, it's good. Good. Good way to burn out stress. That's right. And and it's uh, it's not intimidating. Like the people that are there and are super fit are actually some of the nicest people you interact with. It's true. Yep. Uh, next up, number three. This week, the new Reverend Mel Tucker corners D'Antonio at Walmart and quote unquote forgives him for taking his job away. D'Antonio calls Izzo, who tells him Tucker was an Ann Arbor psyop. After caving to pressure, Alan Haller fires Jake Boss. Curiously enough, Danton Cole is made the manager. <laughs> it's so good to have these back. It really is. We miss yeah. these. That's the most important thing in all yep. of this. Yep. Uh, next up, Mamopolief. And I want to apologize, Susan. Last week, I was unduly hard and disrespectful on you. So hopefully, you redeem yourself. I'm sure we will make a habit of that. <laughs> would you equate having to decide whether whether to view the basketball game or the hockey game on Saturday as a Sophie's choice? And if so, which right after abandon? he apologizes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you go 
and just <laughs> totally misuse <laughs> two games that we won, Susan. This and is not how Sophie's choice. choices work. Can you imagine it with the Nazis? It was like, I'm so tired. Which one of these winning children am I going to choose? <laughs> oh, my God. Back to back to Mr. Neurotic Pants' bigotry question. Um, now, the answer here, uh, Susan, was was that we just watched um, we watched The Devil Wears Prada to honor. I heard you watch Meryl Drag Streep. Race during that time. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Uh, we tried to do picture in picture, but these apps are not supporting picture in picture on the Apple TV, which is garbage. Um, next up from my belief, uh, when you loan Josie Jonesy out to do these publicity gigs, Michigan sports podcast, what is the rest of your marketing team doing to capitalize on the moment? Okay. I've, I have a complaint here. This is directed to Ali. I was told my invitation to come onto the search was forthcoming. It was never received. <laughs> and then they canceled the podcast. And then they canceled the podcast. And then I got called a squirrel badger. <laughs> you know, so I'm not I'm not sure, Susan, that your question, you want to be directing it at me. All right, because I'm also, the one that would be also, willing to go on to these things. <laughs> but I'm never invited. Also, I was on the most recent episode of the Michigan Sports Podcast, and everyone should go check that episode out because we, we, unlike some other people, oh, this is the royal are we. good about are are good about uh, cross promoting. Um, not going to name one individual, but go check it out. It was a, it, it was a, it was a good conversation. It was genuinely uh, Zach is the host and he he asked a lot of really great questions. He actually no, I will I will say this. I actually listened. He did ask very good questions. Oh. And not only that, you surprisingly had very good answers. This is not like you. <laughs> yeah. I thought Thank we were going to handle this offline, but I thought the same thing. Like, if only he could bring this energy. Right. <laughs> Fuck. Where are your contributions? Maybe, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't be the host. Well, I'm not going to. I don't think either of us have the time for that. It's something that Plum and I have discussed yeah. multiple times in private. Uh, but now <laughs> that maybe I shouldn't be on the pod. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, people are saying. Who's to say? People are Who's saying. To say? Who's, Who's to say? Who's to say? Uh, anyway, what's the marketing team doing? I don't know. Probably swimming or something. Who's to say? Drag race. All right, that's been a long episode, but I think a fun episode. I had a good time, guys, and uh, and hopefully we come back next week two and zero. If you all are listening to this, we are maybe playing Minnesota right now at the barn. So go green, go white. Go white.